Cystic fibrosis is a chronic disease that affects the lungs and digestive system of about 30,000 children and adults in the U.S. A defective gene and its protein product cause the body to produce unusually thick, sticky mucus that clogs the lungs and leads to life-threatening lung infections. The mucus also obstructs the pancreas and stops natural enzymes from helping the body break down and absorb food. We are talking with Kate and Laura Cheevers and their mom, Kim, about their extraordinary journey as participants in CF clinical trials. As we are in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, we will also discuss the current impact of this novel respiratory virus on the CF community. But first, Kim, can you share with us how this journey began? Hi, Chris. Um, Yes. So our journey began with my pregnancy with Laura. I had a uh, very normal, healthy pregnancy and was at a scheduled uh, visit for a checkup. And I was talking with my doctor and going through the screening process uh, that they do for all pregnancies. And she had asked the question if I had any genetic or history or any genetic illnesses in my family history or any um, history of cystic fibrosis or anything like that. Went through a list of things. And I, I stopped and I paused because even though I know that I don't have any history of cystic fibrosis in my side of the family. So my answer was no, but I did remember that my father-in-law, my husband's dad, had told us about his younger uh, sister who had passed away at the age of five uh, in Canada back in the 1950s, and it was a pulmonary disease, and they weren't too sure what it was, and uh, I think they called it consumption, like they called everything back then. But um, that just triggered in my head, and I mentioned it to my doctor, and she said, hmm, um, so we were both, my husband and I, um, Irish-English descent, which is a high probability for carrying a CF gene, uh, and with the history of my father-in-law's sister, she thought it would be worthwhile to take the test and just to, to see if we were both carriers. So we went to have the testing, and lo and behold, we were the, both carriers of the CF gene, uh, which you need to in order to pass on to the child. And we found out that Laura, in fact, did have cystic fibrosis. So I found that out in about my 20th week of pregnancy. So needless to say, the second half of my pregnancy wasn't as fun as my first half of my pregnancy. It was very um, frightening and scary for us. I myself had been a nurse at Mass General, where I practice today, still in pediatrics. And I had taken care of several patients, uh, very sick children, Uh, with cystic fibrosis, and I watched firsthand how devastating the disease could be for the child and for the families. So I was very, very um, nervous. I tried to educate myself as much as possible about CF and what could be done prenatally, postnatally, you know, just trying to gather all the information as we could, knowledge is power type of thing. Um, So that's how it started. Laura was born, and um, she was a beautiful little girl. So we were happy to have a healthy, um, screaming little baby girl come out looking wonderful at birth. Um, It's very rare that they have any issues at the prenatal and postnatal time frame. Um, However, the first day with her was wonderful. The second day, she started to have some complications and uh, ended up being transported to Mass General Hospital, where she had a stay in the NICU, but overall did very well and was home with us within a week. So from that point on, we were, you know, learning all about CF, learning about the ins and outs of taking care of a child with cystic fibrosis. Um, We connected ourselves with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation and educated ourselves, um, learned from what other parents and families had done. 
It's a very stressful um, lifestyle. However, Laura was a really easy baby and was responding to all the treatments and the therapies that were available at the time. And she was thriving overall with the treatments they were doing. So we decided to go for it and have a second baby and thought, what were the chances that we would ever have a second baby with CF? And even if we did, um, you know, we were managing pretty well and we thought that we could handle anything coming our way. And there were a lot of um, good therapies coming along in the cystic fibrosis pipeline and the future was looking bright for people with cystic fibrosis. So, you know, we wanted Laura to have a sibling. And so we went ahead and we had Kate. And the same situation with Kate, we found out halfway through the pregnancy uh, that she had cystic fibrosis. So we were prepared and we delivered at Mass General Hospital again and had a very nice normal delivery and um, postnatal period with Kate. She was a very healthy, thriving baby, um, but with cystic fibrosis. Uh, when we started way back when, uh, when I was pregnant with Laura, I believe that the lifespan of the average cystic fibrosis patient was maybe 10 to 15 years old. And uh, all of the progress that has been made since they've been born between, um, you know, better digestive enzymes, better antibiotic treatments, better um, inhaled um, medications that help break up that thick, sticky mucus that you were talking about. All of these were being developed while Laura and Kate were young children. So we felt like we were at a really dynamic time. We would talk to Dr. Lapey for years about uh, different research that protocols that were going on and treatments that we had heard about in other countries and he would poo-poo them and he would he would not really, he would, you know, kind of say, well, that's great, but that's not the answer. And then I remember when Laura was around eight or nine years old, he started talking about this um, new drug in the pipeline that they were developing for Laura and Kate's genotype specifically. So uh, he started to pay attention to that and he was getting excited about that. So we started to pay attention to this study. And um, that was going to be, at the time, the, um, the greatest hope for us <clears throat> that had been presented in their short um, lifespan. Uh, so we were very happy to enroll Laura, and uh, she actually was quite a trooper. And even though it involved a lot of blood sticks and lab draws and testing and EKGs and overnight stays at the hospital, she was willing to do it. That was the beginning of our involvement with the Vertex study pipeline. The difference with this drug was that it was like nothing else that had been offered before. It wasn't a new antibiotic. It wasn't a new anti-inflammatory. It wasn't a new steroid. It's something that had never been seen before. It was actually something that was going to go in and fix the genetic mutation or the genetic problem at the cellular level. And that was something that was very intriguing to everybody in the CF community. And we really thought that that was the key to finding a cure um, eventually down the line. So to be a part of that was extremely exciting, however, extremely terrifying at the same time because it was so new and nothing like this had ever been done or presented. So I have to say that enrolling both of these girls into such a um, cutting edge type of a therapy was terrifying but exciting at the same time. I always explain it that way. So before we jump into the clinical trial, I wanted to touch back with Laura and Kate on their childhood and any recollection you guys might have of growing up with CF. 
So I'll start with Laura. What memories come to mind? Yeah, definitely. So even though I was very lucky to have a family that was super educated and super into all the treatments and continuously learning about it, I did have a pretty different upbringing. You know, I still went to school regularly. I did after school activities. Um, However, you know, just the simple things like during flu season, I'd have to be super careful in school, couldn't really go near anybody, always had to wash my hands, um, had to use an individual bathroom stall. Um, During lunchtime, I had to wipe down the tables myself. I always had to be responsible for bringing my medication to school. I got to participate in all the normal activities there, which was nice. But at the same time, I always had to be super cautious on my own. And at a very young young age, I had to be able to realize, okay, you know, that person looks sick. I won't go near him or her or that person's coughing, kind of keep my distance over there. Um, So I was always just hyper aware and same with um, after school sports and I danced my whole entire life. So I was always in the dance studio after school. Same thing applied there. Um, So yeah, I've always just been very well aware of my surroundings, I would say, in that sense. And for treatments, those I think were the biggest elements of my life that made it super different. You know, instead of coming home from school and, you know, like a normal kid, Uh, getting off the bus and doing whatever with their friends or doing going to a sports practice right away. Um, I always had to come home and do my chest physical therapy. Doctor's appointments were pretty frequent, I would say. Um, But again, it wasn't the normal doctor's appointment. I would have to do pulmonary function tests, um, blood draws. I'd have to have that stick put down my throat every time, which (laughs) was not fun at all. But yeah, and then I think another part that was super difficult of growing up was my hospitalization visits. So every couple years, I would say, until I was about 10 years old, I would have to undergo um, a procedure to get a a PICC line in place, which was for IV antibiotics. So before we were ever on these clinical trial drugs, um, that was very common. The hardest part, I think, of growing up at that young age. And, you know, instead of going off and doing all these things that you see your friends do, you're going to the hospital to get your fifth or sixth pick line placement. Um, And that would be another round of two-week antibiotics that, you know, you're waking up in the middle of the night to meet the hours of your doses and, and whatnot. So those are basically my, the strong, the memories that stand out for me when I think of my childhood with CF, but I was very lucky to have a mom that wasn't that is still a nurse that <laughs> could guide me through it and help me and explain things and um, help my confusion if there was any help my friends confusion if they had questions. Um, so yeah, that's prior to all these clinical drugs. That was what my life was like. <laughs> and Kate, Laura's two years older than you. She has a little bit more experience with you with all of this. Is is it any different growing up being the younger sibling? Um, so for me, growing up, obviously, I got to watch Lara, um, and she was kind of like a little role model for me, showing me how to always remember my medicine and, you know, being compliant with my treatments, whether it was my nebulizer 
or doing my physical therapy, um, it was kind of nice to have someone showing me the ropes of, you know, how to grow up and handle dealing with your own condition like this. Yeah, Laura, you're welcome. (laughs) But also, we kind of had two very different journeys growing up with cystic fibrosis. As Laura mentioned previously, she was kind of in and out of the hospital a lot for IV antibiotic treatments um, and, you know, taken out of school for those during those times. And fortunately for me, I was never hospitalized until I turned 17 years old. So I didn't have to deal with missing school um, in elementary school or in middle school. So for that, I was very lucky. But I did have struggles in my athletic life, I guess. I grew up playing soccer, basketball, lacrosse. I also danced a little bit. But most of the times where my struggles were, were it would be I would be out on the soccer field with all my friends, playing a game, whatever, and I would have to be taken off the field due to breathing issues. I would have to do a lot shorter time shifts on the field than my friends. And I would have to use my inhaler to catch my breath again and control my wheezes. And that was not something that every kid was doing on that field. So growing up and having to do that all the time and kind of know when I needed to take myself out of a game kind of allows you to mature a little faster than the other children because you're kind of just given this responsibility of watching your own health as a 10-year-old, which not a lot of people are used to doing at such a young age. So that was something I dealt all throughout um, elementary school and into high school too. I still dealt with it through freshman through senior year. And it sounds like you were competing at the same level as kids who did not have the disease. Yes, they did not let that stop me, so. Good for you. So let's jump back to Laura. Your mom gave us a bit of a teaser with the clinical trial. It sounds like it started when you were seven years old? Uh, Yes, yep. And tell me how this opportunity came up. Who did it come from? Was it from the foundation, from the doctors? So what I remember, and mom, you can correct me, but I'm pretty sure I have it right because I've talked about it a lot. But I, yeah, I think I was around seven or eight years old when the idea of being in this clinical trial was brought up. And I knew it was a big deal right then and there because my doctor, Dr. Lapey, he is such a realist and he did not get excited about pretty much any new treatment news that we've heard prior to this. So, you know, my mom would do all this research and go to him and say, hey, I heard this company is doing you know, this uh, trial with this type of drug, what is like, what does that sound like to you? And he would always say, nope, nope, that's nothing. Nope, nope. And then when we heard the news about this clinical trial being started by Vertex Pharmaceuticals, he, my doctor was like all in. He brought us in right away, sat me down. And I mean, I don't remember his exact words, but he basically said you have to, (laughs) you should very much think about participating in this clinical trial, specifically because this drug that they were testing was directed at our genotype specifically. In my mind, I always thought, you know, if this drug was made for my genotype, then there should be no reason why I shouldn't do it. So that being said, I was I was all in. Um, it was definitely hard. The first clinical trial was two years long, and um, that consisted of even more hospital visits. I had to be taken out of school a lot of the time. 
um, way more blood draws, overnight stays, pulmonary function tests, ECGs, you name like everything that I would do at a normal doctor's appointment, but just more frequently. So that was definitely difficult, but you know, I always kept in my head the overall goal and the overall picture that this was going to be for, you know, hopefully Kate and I, our health and others as well. We were going through this together. It was super fun. And then um, was not so as fun, fun. For, was not as fun for me actually, because I saw Kate just absolutely uh, thrive. She got way taller than me, way stronger. She didn't cough as much. She gained more weight. All the above, like she just really, really uh, just got so much healthier. And for me, as seeing this as a kid still was very, um, what's the word, was very kind of disappointing because I was happy she was getting, you know, so healthy, but I was very confused as to why I wasn't. Um, I was actually getting progressively worse. And so it was kind of just weird to have that dynamic, like, you know, my sister, and with us being in the same household, my sister being so healthy and me not being on the same wavelength as wavelength as her. So, you know, we've come to figure out that I was on the placebo. Kate was on the real drug. Thank God. Um, so we at least had an answer as to why that was happening. Laura, what a unique situation to be in, observing such a difference between you and your sister. Kate, can we hear the story from your perspective? So I had been watching Laura go in and out of the hospital for research visits and hearing about all the scary needles and blood draws and, you know, uh, just all these different tests she was going through. And it was literally the last thing on earth I wanted to do. I was eight years old (laughs) and I was like, absolutely not. Do I want to go into the hospital all the time and get poked with a needle? So I was asked my doctor, Dr. Lapey, um, sat my mom and I down and gave us the awesome news that I was going to be allowed to um, com- uh, participate in this study. And I think my first reaction was, no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to do that. And I remember my mom, I was so young. I literally, I didn't understand anything. And I remember my mom <laughs> looked at Dr. Lapey and was like, don't worry, we'll talk about it in the car ride home. So he gave me the weekend and I was so hesitant to do it just because I was so young. I didn't really understand what was going on. And I just wanted to avoid it being poked with a needle all the time. So my mom told all my friends what was happening. And I think I spent that whole weekend, every time I saw a friend, they told me, Kate, you need to go on the study. You need to go on the study. Uh, my like classmates, everyone was like, you need to go on the study. Like, it'll be fine, whatever. And so I ended up decided I was like, all right, you know what, I'll do it. If everyone wants me to do it, I will. And clearly that was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Um, I was fortunate enough to be placed on the real drug, not the placebo, as Laura said. So, you know, I started to feel really good really fast. Um, I was, as Laura said, gaining weight. I was getting taller. All of a sudden, I was running for longer shifts in my soccer games and my lacrosse games. And, um, you know, I wasn't coughing as much. I avoided sicknesses a lot easier than Laura did. And, you know, it was a really good time for me. And 
I mean, I still didn't like going in and out of the hospitals and uh, getting my blood drawn, but you know, you start to get used to it. And once I started feeling so good and recognizing that it was worth doing all that hard work, I didn't mind going in as much. So, um, but I definitely did feel bad for Laura because she was on the placebo and we kind of had an idea, uh, a little bit into it that I was on the real thing and she wasn't. So thank you. Kate. Yeah, <laughs> it was definitely different to see myself doing so well and Laura um, not getting that much better. And then in that time frame when you started taking the real drug, and again, to clarify, this first clinical trial was for the treatment specific to your family's mutation type. Yeah. Did you see the same gains that Kate saw once you first started taking the drug? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You know, I felt better rather quickly. I, you know, I was still a little bit behind Kate's growth just because, you know, I was kind of introduced to the drug late in the game. But um, yeah, right when I, you know, when I started taking it, um, I saw the same effects that Kate did with the weight gain and the growth and the less coughing. So that was, that was a happy time. So there was another clinical trial, which was a combination therapy. How did this trial differ from the first? Yeah. Laura, do you want to start? Yeah, I can start. So, you know, obviously both of us have already participated in a clinical trial before. So when this was brought to our attention, I think for both of us, I can speak for Kate, there was no hesitation whatsoever. This clinical trial um, was directed towards our genotype again in the sense that they wanted to see the effects of this triple combination drug on our genotype specifically. So there is um, some other genotype studies with this drug going on prior to us being asked, if that makes sense, at different you know locations around the country. So being an active member of the CF community, we saw that there were amazing um, outcomes to this drug specifically. So we really had no hesitation in agreeing to go into this one. Um, so I want to, this was last year that we were asked to partake in it, but me, I go to uh, college. So I had right outside of, or probably an hour away from Boston. So I had to drive in, uh, take the train. I want to say every two weeks, the beginning of uh, the end of last year. So that was definitely a little difficult, but I knew, again, I knew the outcomes. I knew how great of a turnout this could be for my family and I um, and others with my genotype. So yeah, I want the appointments were kind of the same, you know, the blood draws, the EKGs, the PFTs and whatnot. But the second that we got the blind study pills, so, you know, someone could be taking the placebo or someone could be taking the real uh, triple combination therapy. So as soon as we got that packet, um, Kate mentioned that she was kind of feeling the same. I uh, yeah, didn't really yeah. feel a difference whatsoever. And from talking to people and my doctor as well, people could who were on this triple combination, uh, patients could really tell a difference, um, whether it was in their, uh, you know, their coughing, their breathing, their energy, so, like some way or another, they felt a difference. CF patients, uh, including me and Kate, we normally cough up that stick thicky 
sticky thick mucus um, that's in the lungs. So that's like a very, sorry, that's a very (laughs) common part of the day for us, whether it's after we work out, after a long walk, after uh, we wake up in the morning, we are coughing, coughing, coughing up all this thick mucus that um, normally, you know, people don't have that in their lungs. So that was a normal part of the day. And when I started on this blind study, I really didn't know, like, almost immediately that I was on the the real triple combination therapy. Want even more science stories? Head over to eureka.criver.com to listen to Sounds of Science. Join me, Mary Parker, as I interview drug discovery researchers, thought leaders on trending industry topics, and patients with a personal stake in the newest pharma research. I cover topics from horseshoe crab evolution to cancer treatment with guests who bring a big picture perspective to science stories. Tune in every month for Sounds of Science at eureka.criver.com. however many months went by. And then this drug actually ended up getting approved really early. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was able to automatically roll over into, you know, the open label part of the study, which I'm actually still participating in. But I do know it's the triple combination therapy. And I have just felt amazing ever since that point. So that was a great, great experience. Yeah. And uh, for me, my experience was very different in this trial <laughs> compared to Lara. Um, so as Lara said, we went into the blind study, meaning one of us were, or we didn't know, both of us could have had the placebo, one of us could have had the placebo, one of us could have had the real thing. Um, and so as before I stated, I was very luck- lucky in the first trial we were ever in to get the real thing, um, the real drug. But this time around, I was very unlucky. So Uh, We started the blind study um, during my first semester of freshman year of college. And I ended, you know, I was doing the same thing as Laura going in, I think it was every two weeks to the hospital, um, doing all those tests, you know, still feeling pretty good, but, you know, definitely not feeling a difference or feeling any better. And then I actually started to go really downhill. Um, I was getting sick like every other week, whether it was a cold, I would wake up with fevers. I was, I was coughing all night. It was just really not the health level that I had been experiencing, um, for a while now. So I actually ended up having to get hospitalized, uh, the week before Thanksgiving and had to do a week of IV antibiotics because I was so sick. Uh, which then led us to think that I was on the placebo and I really wasn't taking any of the strong medicine that I needed. So after that happened and um, during the week of my IV antibiotics, my doctor and my mom discussed and, you know, we just we decided that it would be a good idea um, to take me out of the study and to get me on the real therapy because it actually got approved way earlier than we thought um, it would be. So it had already been out for a month now um, by the time I got sick. So my doctor just believed that it was super unethical to keep me in this trial on the 
placebo when I could easily be getting the real drug and know I'm getting the real drug. So literally the day that I started my IV antibiotics, I also started the triple combo therapy. Um, I've just felt completely amazing. And it was such a big change in our lot in my life. Oh, that's great. So I wanted to talk about the effects of having a lung disease such as cystic fibrosis in the midst of COVID-19. Kim, you mentioned you're a nurse. My wife is a frontline COVID nurse at a hospital just outside of Chicago where we live. Can you talk to us about the special precautions your daughters have to take more than just masks and social distancing? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, unfortunately, I also became a frontline COVID adult ICU nurse during that whole time frame of the surge. Um, my pediatric unit, um, I usually work in the pediatric ICU. I've never taken care of adults. And so this was thrust upon us as um, it was many hospitals. It was completely terrifying and very difficult, as I'm sure your wife could tell you that. Um, it's like nothing I've ever seen before. So with um, being able to see the full effect of how ill people could get uh, with this um, virus, you know, I guess we were all kind of just thrown back into the terrors of how we we felt before when they first were diagnosed with CF. You know, it was a lot of unknown and, you know, a lot of fear around being any people that are ill. And, you know, we over time saw that they could handle certain things and other things gave them a difficult time. So this is a, a whole new beast, so to speak. I was almost um, redeployed out of my unit because I actually was so nervous. I discussed it at length with um, their cystic fibrosis doctor and nurses as to what my comfort level would be. But for the um, the surge that we went through, um, you know, I was very careful about coming home in the beginning. I was stripping down all my stuff in the garage and running upstairs to the shower and just washing off everything behind me like I used to. Um, doorknobs, um, shower heads, uh, anything I touched in the bathroom, sterilizing it. It was a very long, tedious procedure, but I was so afraid of bringing it home to them. But um, uh, my hospital actually most wonderfully um, hosted all of us that wanted to stay at a hotel in between shifts. So I did a lot of staying in Boston in between my shifts so I could limit my exposure here at home um, and, and just be super careful. So that was several weeks of um, doing multiple shifts in a row and not coming home and seeing them and um, just making sure that they were taking all the precautions on lockdown as everybody else was. It was a lot easier when everybody was on lockdown because we all were on lockdown. It was, nobody else was different. Now it's a little more challenging, I think, when people are starting to venture out into the world, even though a lot of people are very good at wearing their masks and, and being aware of if they've been exposed to other people or are at high risk or have any symptoms. I think um, there's been a lot of education around the disease eradicate their naturals at um, social distancing when they have to. So I actually did feel a bit of security in that because they are really good at hand hygiene and um, staying away from anybody that looks ill. We've all been taught that in the CF community, even when they're at CF events. There are other kids with CF at events, outside events, and these kids are taught to stay six feet apart from each other. So um, that was kind of a natural segue for us with this um, the social distancing. Um, going forward, I'd say that my biggest fear is when they actually both have to go back into college in the fall. Um, I'm worried about a research. I'm worried about, you know, the other kids not as being as um, careful as, as my two girls are. They're both going to be living with other people in a dorm atmosphere, um, although both colleges have put out multiple uh, major plans for keeping everybody safe. Um, 
you know, it basically comes down to the individual. So, you know, we're going to hopefully everything that we've taught them as they have grown up with CF will actually be a, a big benefit to them going forward as they have to face this COVID virus um, in their lifetime for the next several years until there's a vaccine. So I think that, um, you know, it was a major, I don't want to say bummer because that doesn't capture it, but it just felt like we were robbed out of this freedom that they, that they finally attained because they both were on this triple combo drug that gave them um, such a healthy level lifestyle. And really we could let our guard down a bit. And a lot of medications were taken off of the, you know, their daily medications had been stripped away a little bit at a time while their other, you know, they had 10 or 12 medications they were on. Now they were down to one or two and barely any antibiotics. So living a really healthy lifestyle, thriving and growing the way that they were expected to on this drug. And then all of a sudden this virus popped into our world and, you know, rocked everybody uh, to the core, but specifically the CF community, they had just made this enormous leap and towards a cure. I mean, this is the closest towards a cure that they've ever been. Um, and all of a sudden, the joy of that was um, suppressed for the CF community, I'd say, in a major way, as we all donned our masks and our gloves and kind of forged ahead with everybody else. I actually read a recent study that said that the incidence of COVID among the CF population appears to be actually lower than the national average. But they think a lot of this is possibly due to the fact that CF patients have a lifelong adherence to social distancing and other measures that are routine. This leads me to believe that you guys are the original social distancers. We are. We, we are totally professional. <laughs> I know. With that being said, we're very social people, so it's a very difficult combination. <laughs> oh, I bet. And everyone else is, is struggling with that right now. <laughs> right, exactly. So they, everybody kind of got a glimpse into what our life has been like for the last 21, 22 years. So um, I'm sad to say that it had to be, you know, it, it is what it is. But, um, you know, it was interesting if you kind of stepped back and said, hmm, we've kind of been doing this our whole life. So maybe everybody will start to say, you know, in their minds, like, I can't believe that people have lived their life this way and and just take it for what it is and do the best they can. And we hopefully will be you know, an inspiration on some level that it can be done successfully. And speaking of what's next, you guys have been very involved with the CF support and fundraising foundations. As we know, Vertex Research was actually funded by the CF Foundation. Tell me more about your involvement with them in the coming future. Um, we'll continue to do events. We're involved in several major events. Um, we started the Great Strides Walkathon in our town. So we're pretty involved in the um, in the fundraising and it does need to continue. Um, there's a long way to go and there's a lot of therapies out there and this drug does not help every single person with CF. Um, and I can only say that, you know, I was inspired by the families before me. So we're going to play it forward. I, I think we might change things up a bit as the girls get older, they get more and more involved with the events and Kate and Laura have both run their own uh, different types of CF events. It can be fun. Um, and it's nice and it's inspiring that people still do want to help. That's great to hear. And Laura and Kate, you're both in college and I hear you're focusing on life science for your careers. Tell us about that. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, sorry, Laura, I'm going first. Okay. Um, I'm a biology major, um, with a business minor and you know, where I'm heading, I think is into the biotech industry or research or something like that. And I truly believe it's because I've been so had so much experience, um, obviously with our research 
uh, clinical trials and just being in and out of the hospital and stuff like that. And I think that's just what inspired me to go down to this type of industry. Yeah. um, So I actually decided to major in health policy. Um, I, it is completely because of what I went through growing up and I just had such a huge respect for the life science community and the clinical trial process. So that is really what I want to focus on. I would love to work one day and, you know, in biotech and pharma. Um, but, you know, being on the patient side of things my whole life, I always had this curiosity of what it was like to be on the other side, to be, you know, working in the research and clinical department and seeing these results and, and making a change. So that's that's what inspired me to, you know, go forward with that as my major. I can thank CF for that, actually, just because I would not have had all those experiences um, just learning so much about the life science uh, track. Well, we'd love to have both of you working with Charles River one day. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. They're available. They're available at any time. (laughs) And it's a great note, mainly because, you know, Charles River partnered with with Vertex for for somebody's therapies. So what a a great story to to say, hey, you're, you're, you're on our side of the table now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So just a couple questions I want to end with for Kate and Laura. I mean, it's quite the journey you've been on with such a happy ending. What surprised you the most about it? For me, what surprised me the most, I think, was how much of a support system we've had um, throughout this journey. You know, it goes way further than just our immediate family. Uh, Our whole town really has just been so supportive throughout everything. And, you know, whether it's coming to different events that we host or, you know, my teammates on the soccer field always looking out for me and stuff like that. Um, I think it's definitely amazing to see how many people actually care and support for uh, someone or a family going through something like this. And it's really powerful and it has helped, I know, both Laura and I get through a lot of the challenges that we face every day. So it's definitely something I am so um, happy and thankful for to be in such a great town and have such good close friends and family that have helped us through everything. Yeah. um, And going off of that, I completely 100% agree with Kate. Um, However, I think something else that surprised me is how something so little can just go such a long way um, in the sense of that just from the moment of, you know, me being asked to participate in this, these studies. And, you know, in the moment, I don't, I think it's hard to kind of see what the outcome will be like and what the results will lead to. And, you know, you're kind of just stuck in this, this process of, I don't want to say never ending, but sometimes it feels that way and it can be um, super stressful and and frustrating um, with all these doctor's appointments and, and whatnot. But the end goal I think is the biggest thing that surprised me because, you know, not only did Kate and I end up here, but so many other CF patients, um, were affected by these therapies also. So, you know, I just like thinking that, you know, my little journey kind of helped with that whole process of the FDA approval and helping um, people come out of their health struggles and giving other CF patients the opportunity to see their life in a different light. And I think that for me was the most important thing, you know, even scrolling online and seeing the FDA news and, you know, seeing it all over social media, um, you know, Vertex promoting 
all these different drugs. And, you know, just to think that I had even the smallest part of that um, was something that was really special. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, you guys were a major part. I wouldn't, I wouldn't belittle that. I think you guys were a major part in, in this discovery. And we are in an age of discovery. And every day I feel reading the news, there's leaps and bounds of, of, of research or of answers that we didn't know, you know, days ago. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Just keeps coming. <laughs> well, I really want to thank all three of you for joining us today. You've all been an inspiration and the voices we needed to hear in this time right now. So thank you so much for talking with us and for sharing your story with Vital Science. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank, thank you, Chris. You. Thank you for having us. So awesome. Patient participation in clinical trials may be the last step in drug development, but it's one of the most crucial. It is thanks to patients like Kate and Laura and the support of their family that the CF community has hope and access to new therapies. To learn more about this community, please visit fightcf.cff.org. As a final note, we realize that the COVID-19 pandemic we're currently in underscores the critical role that science and the global community plays in drug development. This podcast was recorded in June, 2020. Do you have a suggestion, episode idea, or a great story to tell? Contact us at vitalscience@crl.com. Be sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit us at criver.com slash vital science podcast. Also, be sure to check out our sister podcast, Sounds of Science, focusing on innovation and trends in the life science industry. Thanks for listening to this episode of Vital Science. I'm Chris Garcia. See you next time.